Good evening and welcome to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here. Along with science advisor Matt Moniz and psychic medium Stephanie Burke. And I'm going to pull those down right there. I don't think I fed that out to the stream. Sorry. I got caught off guard because we had a few less spots than I was planning because I was able to skip skip some of those. So I know everybody in the chat room on Spooky TV at SpookySouthCoast.com. It was in there anxiously awaiting the show. I try to start the live video a few moments before. Well, not a few moments, but like right around... 10 o'clock, so that even when we have to play the news and we have to play some commercials, everybody gets to hang out in there and get acquainted and get the chance to say hi to each other. And I want to say hi to everybody in the chat room at Spooky TV at SpookySouthCoast.com. Love having all of you join us each Saturday night as we talk about paranormal topics. And tonight we will do that. We have some uh, some things to discuss tonight. We have some new, um, well, we have a new event to, to mention to people. Uh, we also have the uh, question that I want to put out for some open lines calls. And one of the things that I just want to mention real quick, because we've been following it and talking about it for the last couple of weeks, I don't know if anybody saw this. I put it up on Facebook, but the probably the biggest podcast in the world addressed something that we've been talking about for the last few weeks. The Joe Rogan podcast mentioned the controversy with Zach Bagans and the plagiarism of I did see that ghost hunting for dummies. So yeah, he didn't mention Zach by name. <coughs> bless you. Thank but you. the uh, I I just say bless you whenever anybody That's makes fine. any bodily I just, noise. I just felt like it was p- polite to say thank you, even though I coughed. I mean, even if even if <laughs> even if it was coming out the basement instead of out of the attic, I still it would will, have said the same thing. It will never. Thank you, though. <laughs> Trying to say girls don't do that, but the um, not on air like you two. <laughs> Listen, I have control over the board, so I can just pull it down <laughs> and then let one rip and then put it back up. Nobody ever knows. If it's loud enough, it's going to come through our mics too. And then if it does, you just tell everybody, "Oh, it was the chair." <laughs> It wasn't me. It was the chair because That's it all it all sounds like a squeaky chair when it comes out over the radio. But um, <clears throat> we, you know, that, that's something that we've been talking about. They didn't mention Zach by name, but you know, uh, Joe Rogan brought it up, which means he's at least aware of the controversy. Which is uh, that's pretty interesting to know that you know Kenny Biddle's article became so viral that it reached. You know, the, probably the biggest podcast in the world. Or maybe they're just listening to us on Saturday nights, and that's how they found out about it. That could be true, too. No offense, Kenny, but it could have, <laughs> it could have been that Joe Rogan is a spooky South Coast fan, because I won't lie to you. There's been other times when people have said, like, they've dropped references to things that we talk about. So, is it- uh, no, no, this one? No, you should be on that one. Isn't he from the area? Well, isn't that work? Oh, because it's not a program. Try Just again. kidding. Isn't he from the area? Uh, I don't think so. He's, I thought he was from Boston. Maybe. I don't know. I stopped paying attention to him. <laughs> Get on I, the Google machine. <laughs> I don't. I don't find. I don't really find him that that good of an interviewer. I don't know why everybody loves this show so much. I and think next week on his show, he'll be discussing us. <laughs> I think it's terrible. <laughs> and the insults. <laughs> yeah. That being said, if you want to have me on the show, I'd be happy to do it. Speaking of which, <clears throat> let me throw this also back to last week's conversation. Uh oh. Because last week we were talking about that paranormal group that charges yes. money for its services. And I said we were going to try and get them on the air. Uh-huh. I just want to let everybody know they did not reply to my emails. 
Uh-huh. They did not oh, reply to my shock. Facebook friend requests. They did not reply to my Facebook message. Uh, I what was there was one way that I tried to communicate with them that I got bounced back. I can't remember what it was. Smoke signals? Uh, no, that might have worked. The I think the problem was that whatever service <laughs> that it was was no longer active. So I don't know if it was necessarily that it was, you know, not a real address or something. It just might have been something that they don't use anymore and forgot to renew. So are we calling them tonight? Uh, I still feel like that might be a bad idea. But I did reach out to them and say, hey, we'd like to talk to you on Spooky South Coast. Talk a little bit about what it is that you do and the services that you offer. So I tried to keep it friendly. And I also didn't release last week's episode to podcast yet. Oh. <laughs> See, I was being sneaky about it. On purpose. Anybody okay. that was wondering where it was, I did that. I held off on it so mm. that they wouldn't hear it and know that we were setting them up. So why do you have to be such a voice of reason? Because we have to do things the right way. I don't want to run the risk of having somebody else not want to join us over something controversial later just because we be mean. Just we're tearing question. these people up. But the... Um, the interesting thing was, this is, this is what made me think of, you know, begging to be on Joe Rogan's podcast mm-hmm. like I just did. Uh, what made me think of it was that I looked at their Twitter account mm-hmm. and their Twitter account is a couple years old. Nothing's been posted in a couple of years. And I only saw like a handful of tweets on there. Yep. And one of the most recent tweets was them just begging Ellen to book them on the show. Seriously? Like tweeting Ellen. Ew. To be like, hey, Ellen, we'd like to come on your show and talk to you about you know, all of our work and paranormal stuff. and uh, Because they're so wonderful. Let me tell you something. A little bit of inside radio, inside media. If you tweet somebody like that, begging to come on the show, it's probably not going to work. Now, if you tweet us and ask us to come on the show to get our attention, yeah, that, that could work. You know, we, we pay attention to all of our tweets. But uh-huh. like if you're tweeting Ellen... Who probably has, I don't know, 50 million Twitter followers and probably follows 10 million because they're following everybody that's, you know, everybody on the show and all that kind of stuff. Like, they're not going to see random paranormal groups tweet. But, like, what have you done that is so spectacular and unique and different than everybody else in this field? apparently charging money yeah 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 that's it um you know if somebody's gonna end up making it on ellen it and she wants an interview it's going to be some of the original sci-fi cast it's going to be zach bagans it's going to be someone that is known not joe Schmo. or somebody that wait a minute you know, that does mean things grant and jason on ellen i don't think they were on ellen no yeah i think no i think think they were they were yeah Yeah. i think they were like i don't think it was ellen no it was it was like years ago like 10 12 years ago let's see i want to say i remember seeing like awkward awkward screenshots yeah but either way um yeah, well, another possibility, too, is if you have a viral video, you know, those kind of shows will grab you. So if you put something right. up there that goes viral, uh, then, you know, then there's a chance that maybe they would book you to come on and talk about it. I mean, look at what happened with, with Amy Bruni. She put up a, a clip that went viral that wasn't paranormal. It was her daughter dancing on the deck with the dog. Yeah. Right. And what was that? Dr. Phil ended up putting that on TV or Dr. Yeah. Oz, one of those, like, you know, like. Yeah, one of the, yeah. So the. The um, 
the possibility is there, but you know they they find you. You reaching out to them doesn't help your your case or help your cause, unless you know it's one of those things where. Uh, I don't think Ellen does it. I don't really watch any of those shows, but I don't think Ellen does it. But some of the other shows, like you know, Maury Povich would do it, and Jerry Springer, right? Where they have that thing at the end, where it's like. If you or anybody yeah, in your family has ever had sex with a ghost, we want to hear about it. By the no. way, I, I, by the way, I talked with our friend Gavin Davies last night on mm-hmm. Midnight in the Desert about ghost sex, and I, 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 I couldn't do it. Like I just was laughing the entire time. He just had me in stitches, and you know the the whole audience. Uh, but it was great stuff. I definitely want to have him come back on Spooky South Coast sometime, and give us an update on some of these other stories that he's collected. Because when we had him on last time. He had a lot of those really scary stories mm-hmm. about people being violated in their sleep by ghosts and things like that. Uh, now he's getting a lot of like more positive, funny stories, and nobody can tell a story like like he can. So uh, we we should probably have him back on sometime soon. And um, also, just uh, as a quick point of reference, because they were talking about it in the chat room before the show. Uh, we When I put out the question a little bit later on, we are going to have open phone lines. You can call in and talk about whatever you want, which I know is a dangerous thing to let Lamone know. But <laughs> you can talk about whatever's on your mind, whatever paranormal questions or thoughts or, or, or theories or anything or experiences that you want to share. But I am going to ask the question because I saw it coming up. We did Twin Peaks Week on Midnight in the Desert this week where we had some of the stars of the show come on. And it was really cool to talk to you know, David Frost, the co-creator of, of Twin Peaks, and to talk to James and, and Hawk and, uh, and and Candy and, and uh, Agent Tammy, you know, and have all these people come on. But we also talked about some of the thematic elements. And one of those thematic elements of Twin Peaks is the idea of tulpas and thought forms, uh, doppelgangers, all of that. And when we did that show, I wish that the, the phone lines had been um, ready mm-hmm. to go because so many people were sharing experiences online with us sending me emails uh being in our facebook group the midnight society facebook group so there were so many people that had stories to tell so i said you know what let's let's talk about that tonight because if a portion of that audience had stories to tell i'm sure a portion of the spooky south coast audience does we've had experiences with things like that Mm -hmm. and it makes a good discussion point because you know how much of what we encounter could be that so i figure that's what we'll talk about a little bit later on but um I want. I also wanted to say that we were giving away a contest this week with those two tickets to the Twin Peaks 30 Fan Festival at Graceland, and we haven't given them away yet. We're waiting until Monday so that people who listen to the show via the archives will have a chance mm-hmm. to catch up. We gave away a, a, a code phrase each night, and if you collected all five of those code phrases, then you can go, if you're already a, a time travel member, a time traveler on midnightinthedesert.com, you can go in the wormhole and submit all five. Or if you're not a member, you can go to, you can email me, Tim at midnightthedesert.com and enter in all five of those code phrases. And then everybody that gets the code phrases right, I'm going to take all those names on Monday. I'm going to enter them into a random generator, which is what I use to select contest winners here all the time and everything. It's it's totally above board. you know. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to do a Facebook Live video so that everybody can see. And we'll... On Facebook Live, we'll select the winner of those two tickets. But the only thing that I ask is if you want to enter, I feel bad having to say this, but don't enter if you can't get yourself to Graceland next month 
or in April. Mm-hmm. What's it, February? April. Yeah. So unless you can get to Graceland, because it does not include airfare, it does not include lodging, unless you can get there and put yourself up for the weekend, don't try to win because then the tickets are just going to go to waste. You know, we want to make sure that somebody can go and use them and, and kind of be our correspondent there and maybe maybe collect some uh, photos and audio and stuff that we can use on the website. So listen to the show. Become a time traveler if you're not already. Collect all those code phrases and you could win. You guys can't win. Well, you could win. I'm not trying to win. You're not associated with the show, so you could win. Right. I just want to go. I, I mean, we're still trying to find out if they want to have me come down and mm-hmm. you know moderate some panels or something, but... As much as I want to go for the Twin Peaks stuff, I want to go for the Elvis stuff. I want to go there so that I can have like kind of behind the scenes access to Graceland and do a little, you a wanted, little investigation. You want to surf the TV while sitting in the jungle room, right? I may do that. But I think what I really want to do is I want to, um, I want to see if I can connect with the spirit of Elvis. Because I did have that one opportunity, that one time to... I was, you know, I used to do my Saturday morning show, and I would do every um, every year on Elvis's birthday, and every year on the anniversary of his death, or close to it. You know, whatever yeah. whatever my Saturday show was that was the closest to it, I would always do like an Elvis tribute. And one day, a guy calls up and says, "Are you going to be there for a little while?" "Yeah, I, I don't leave till about one or two in the afternoon." "Okay." I'm going to come down. Don't leave until I get there. All right. And the gentleman shows up, and he has a, a, a brown paper bag in his hand. Uh-oh. And I'm like, oh, what, what's in there? He's like, hold on. Let me take And he opens up the brown paper bag, and inside of that is like a shopping bag or whatever. And inside of that is a Ziploc bag. And inside of that is one of, it's a scarf. And he says, my wife went to see Elvis live in the 70s. And this was one of the scarves that he would, you know, wipe himself with and throw out into the audience. And she caught it, and this is it. And he put it in my hands, and I was like, can I try it on? <laughs> and he's like, of course. So I put it, like, around, and I'm, like, wearing Elvis's scarf around my neck. And I didn't even think to take a photo of it or anything or, you know, to, to see if I could have somebody else do it or whatever. And so it was just uh, just an amazing, you know, and, and Elvis, it's not like he wore the, those scarves for the whole show. Oh, you went through dozens. Yeah, they would hand him a scarf, he'd wipe himself with it, and then toss it out to the crowd. Like, yeah. that was what he would do through the whole show. So he probably went through 150 scarves in one show. But still, this scarf touched Elvis Presley. I think when Scott was filming the Gettysburg episode is when he got to hold or be next to Elvis's underwear. See? Like, that's... Okay. That's the kind of thing that's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. It's weird. Nothing. No, I'd, I'd, it's weird that it's a collector's item. I would I would wear it. I would proudly wear You would wear, wear Elvis's underwear. On the outside of my clothes. I don't know if okay. I'd put All them right, on the I'll inside of my clothes. I'll give you that. On Just because I, I would want to get my essence on Mixed Elvis's underwear. Elvis's? Yeah, okay. I wouldn't I wouldn't want to ruin it for everybody else. Okay. But Your essence. But I would still try them on. <laughs> just Just to see. Just, like, to, just to see like if they what fit. year Elvis are we talking about? I don't know. You'll have to ask him. Are we talking about? Uh, are we talking about like young Elvis? Because then they're not going to fit over me. But if we're talking <laughs> about like right before he died, Elvis, I get a pretty good chance of not only getting them on, but having them maybe even be a little bit loose on me. I don't know. Uh, yeah. But then also, if they're right before he died, Elvis, I would worry about the yeah. cleanliness of them. Yeah. But I think anyway, they did have a stain. I think I people do. Uh, I think people do. Um, they, they overstate 
some of that stuff about Elvis's unhealthiness toward the latter days. I don't think it was as bad as, as people tell the stories about. I don't think he was crapping his own underwear or anything. I don't know. I mean, if he died on the toilet, at least we knew he made it to the toilet, right? This is getting weird really fast. All right. So I know that... Um, I know. Uh, yeah. We said that uh, we were going to have an event announcement. And, you know, and I've been getting some requests from people that have been asking about stuff going on. Like, is Spooky South Coast doing anything this year? And we will. Mm-hmm. The, the problem is, is just schedules are so weird right now and everybody has so much stuff going on that it's hard to really kind of pin stuff down and to say, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll be. And right now, like, sa- I call Saturday sleeper day. Yep. Because I literally just sleep through the entire day. Poor Moni's like messaged me earlier and I didn't respond to him for hours. And it's because I'm I'm you asleep. asleep. Yeah. And and I got up and I was like, I'm gonna watch TV now. And then I started watching TV and zoned out. And then I woke <laughs> up and I was like, Well, I'm gonna start it again. And I got to the same point and zoned out again. Like it's it's literally fighting to stay awake on, mm-hmm. on Saturdays. So eventually we'll we'll book some stuff. But we do have something to announce uh, tonight. Before we get into that, I do wanna mention because I didn't promote it before, mm-hmm. but I will be at the Oliver House uh, on March 7th for a special event that they're having there, a pro night that they're having there, but it's already sold out. So they see, they didn't need me to promote it. They didn't even need to add me to it. I told them you don't need me there, but I don't know. They like to have me come by. And I, I don't blame them. I like to have you there too. I think I think they just want to they just want to meet up at Chard Oak for dinner beforehand. I mean, it's a good thing. <laughs> I'm not complaining. Anybody that wants to go there, yeah, I'll always go. <laughs> but uh, you you put this up a little bit earlier today, Stephanie. This one, it's it's now, to be fair, it's you know not in this area. It is not. But it's a place that's well worth making the trip from what I understand. It is. So this one is in Mineral, Virginia. And I think the first time that we were able to go out there was March 2018, and we were invited out by our friends Sheena and Lacey, who own the Dunlora Inn, and Scott and I, Scott Porter from Haunted Towns, Haunted Live, Ghost Asylum, you might know who he is. We were hired to go out there for an event, not knowing what to expect. This place was in shambles. It was, oh, I hear. I just pushed him through, so like, that if you, if you said, anything, that, if you said anything bad, he'd be able to defend himself. No, no, I would never do such a thing. Um, <laughs> you should have heard what she said before the show started. Right. Oh, I can imagine. I'm trouble. So anyways, we were able to go out there. This place was a wreck. I don't know if you remember it, um, or you can speak to it too, Scott, but um, like everything was falling apart. They were trying to repair it. They dumped, Mm -hmm. I can't remember how much money they dumped into it. They bought it for about, I think like $80,000 or something like that. It was a hoarder's house. Um, How much did they, they pour into it? Do you remember? Oh, it, it was a lot. I, I, I want to say it was over a quarter million. Um, and it is beautiful inside. It's very cozy, very homey, very, very warm, very loving. And Sheena is amazing when it comes to taking care of everybody there, uh, making sure everybody has what they need. She's just like the, the perfect hostess. And um, we were able to go inside and investigate and we weren't really sure what to expect, you know, walking to a place that was like half decorated, like I think like two rooms were done at the time. The rest of it, like the floors were still being done. Walls were still, you know, peeling. And um, Mm -hmm. we had some really phenomenal experiences there and we didn't even know the history going into it. We were just like, Hey, Scott knew them. He had met them. He's like, you want to come with me to Virginia? I said, sure, let's do it. Uh, And we had no idea what we were walking into. And we have had phenomenal experiences. We've been there a total of, I want to say, 
maybe four times. This will be our fifth, if I am counting correctly. Uh, I think it's four public times. Yeah, yeah. Well, I wasn't yeah. counting the the other ones, but um, yeah. Oh, she wasn't counting that time. She stopped just to use the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and we and we left, uh, or we found Elvis's underwear on the floor, right? Right, right. <laughs> I just want to point out that he, I I didn't see it. He mentioned in the in the chat room that it was young Elvis, but that the stains were it in was. The, the stains were in the front. Yes, I, I don't think even... they were post. I think they were post show underwear. Ew. Oh man. All that gyrating, who knows what happened. <laughs> yeah. So anyways. <laughs> no, you won't have to deal with any underwear though when, when you when you go to, to the No, slide. no, we don't um No, not at all. No. Only your own, because I'm not dealing with it. So we uh we've had some really amazing experiences that were um, I would say like accidentally public. We didn't mean for them to be as phenomenal as they were. We were just doing our normal everyday investigating thing. We've had experiences that have happened to us when we're alone in the house. My my daughter, when she was four years old, had experiences in this house that um, had happened when it was just her and I alone. And I wasn't expecting anything to happen. So it's been really wild and really active and cozy all at the same time. So I have so many stories that I can tell about this place. Where do you want to start? Oh gosh, you know, uh, do, do you want to do we do we save the big one for last? Well, I mean, they're they're all big, to be honest with you. Um, I think they are in their own way, but I think the apparition one that you're talking about, maybe we can save that one for last. Yeah, let's save that one for last. I, I think I think probably the story of of your daughter, you, you and you and your daughter at the top of the stairs. And I think that one is really cool. Um, it, it's an interesting uh, aspect of it because you have a an untainted view of something going on because she has no clue, you know, what we do there or what's there. And I think that was a really cool story. So you, you can start with telling that one. So this was what August this past year. Um, yes, you were off for the day, and um, mm-hmm. I was there by myself. I didn't realize I was home alone. I always joked with Sheena to, and told her, like, do not leave me alone in this house. I'm never sleeping here. <laughs> I'm never coming back. I've said that a few times. Um, I sleep there all the time now. But um, I said, I will, I promise, she used to get so upset with me. Please, please, please promise me you'll sleep here. Promise me you'll come back. I said, okay, but never leave me alone in the house. So I was locked up in the bedroom that I was staying in. And um, my daughter at the time was getting used to... And everybody that has kids, you know, like that, that toddler stage of like, you want to pee everywhere in like all public restrooms because it's fun and it's exciting and it's new. So she got to the point where she would only go to the bathroom downstairs. So I was like, okay, let's open the door. Let's go downstairs. And I'm yelling like, Hey, anybody here? Sheena and, uh, home alone. So we get to the top of the stairs and remember the staircase because the staircase is kind of like this like weird central hub of this entire place and she stops dead in her tracks and she says mama we can't go downstairs i said well why baby what's wrong she goes shh the peoples and i said what do you mean honey she goes the peoples they're everywhere 
and she, like, she had this like look of terror on her face and she was backing up to the wall and she was holding um, something in her arms, like a toy or a stuffed animal. And she kept telling me that we couldn't go downstairs. And I said, well, honey, it's okay. You know, mommy's right here. Do you want me to make the peoples go away? And she said, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I said, okay, that's fine. So, you know, I, I talk out loud just to kind of show her like, it's not scary. It's not afraid. I'm not trying to teach her that they're not real. They're a very real part of my life, of her life and everybody's lives. Only we can see them. And I'm trying to make her comfortable and confident rather than terrified. So we start walking down the stairs after I get rid of the peoples. And she starts freaking out. Mommy, 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 the peoples are everywhere. There's one here. There's one here. And she's pointing everywhere. I was like, well, great. You know, mother of the year. And um, as she's walking down the stairs, I turn my phone on and I start recording. And I had showed um, Sheena and her husband the video later and I was showing Scott and Scott kind of blew it up and he's like do you see this and you can actually see like these full bodied shadows like floating across the stairway repeatedly as I'm talking about it then we tried to do everything to try to recreate it you know Scott and I have been in this long enough to know like was it a car was it blinds was it a tree blowing it wasn't it was actual shadows so that kind of freaked me out a little bit not that I think anything bad is there I think there might have been one time when there was and we got rid of it but um it was, it was enough for me to see it through her eyes to realize like, okay, I know what I do is real, but this was really, you know, a little freaky for me mm-hmm. because it was my first time dealing with that as a parent outside of the elements that I'm used to and that she's used to. So that was, that was story number one. That was a little interesting and a little unsus- well, unexpected. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. But I mean, I think that anytime that you, you, know, you don't purposely introduce a young child to something like this, you know, right. you... You, you don't expect it to happen. You don't do it on purpose. And then when it does happen, you know, they have this innocence to where if they're telling you something that, that corroborates something that you've experienced in the house, you know, or in the location previously, you know, that is an untainted view of what's going on there. So it's, 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 it was really a, a form of validation that was not planned uh, to get something like that or to have something like that happen. But... Um, there was also that you know, other story of that child, too. Do you remember that one? Yeah, the pennies. Yeah, the pennies. The penny story is pretty cool because that was we weren't we weren't there. This was mm-hmm. uh, someone who was staying at the house. And um, I think the parents were downstairs talking to Sheena and, and, and Lacey or Sheena and Tony. And the uh, they had a little boy, a little boy or a little girl. It was a little girl that was around the same age as girl. my daughter. That's, that's right. And so she, she was upstairs playing or whatever, and um, she came downstairs and she said something about having pennies. She had a handful and of them. So the, just a handful of pennies. And so like, they were trying to figure out where she got the pennies from. And she said, she, the little boy yep. gave them to her? Mm-hmm. The little boy gave them to her upstairs. Uh, so it was very interesting because there is a story that goes along with the boy and pennies, but I can't recall it right now off the top of my head. Um, well, she but said, I know that, that Sheena had talked about those those little boy and the pennies. Well, she sat down and they kept they were asking every adult in the house, you know, where where did you get those pennies? Did so, did so and so give them to you? And she kept saying, no, the little boy did. So Sheena said, follow me upstairs. We're gonna go see where the little boy is. Show me where you got them. And she said he came down for the light. And he handed, right. me, he handed me the pennies. And then she looked Sheena dead in the eyes and she said, and then he crawled up the wall like a lizard. That's right. Crawled up the wall like a lizard. And so. that completely freaked Sheena out. So um, 
that that was the other story that surrounded children <laughs> I, of that age. I got a question. Did you check the dates on the pennies? Uh, I don't know. We didn't ask. We weren't there. So, um, and I think when it happened, it was like we showed up like way after the fact. So, um, I'm not yeah, entirely the, sure. The change was, but they don't leave the change, change anymore. Long gone. Yeah. Um, I, I I wish I wish that we had have had an opportunity to check them, and they'd right. all been 1943 copper pennies. Right, right. That would have been wonderful. Um, <laughs> but we do know that. The um, the Battle of Trevilian Station happened less than a couple miles down the road, so there's Civil War history there. Um, we do know that there's Native history there, and we'll get into that. But we also um, know that the house was built in the 1920s, um, and through research and um, different experiments that we've done, we've realized that the house at one point was a brothel and a speakeasy. And, Which was verified by the mayor. Correct. Who lives two houses down. They knew that there was a bunch of them on that road, but they couldn't identify exact buildings that they were in, obviously, because at the time it was hidden. But we found a bunch of entertainment licenses for the home that covered things that they shouldn't have covered. Um, and it was kind of this whole, like, um, controversy in the town and the politics of the town at the time. So it's uh, it's been very interesting. We've had little things happen, but... There's still big things. We've done EVP sessions. We had John Tenney there with us, and we did an EVP session. Um, we stood in a circle, and every single person was to ask the exact same question to see if it would get a different response. And we had, I think, the third person in say, um, tell us the name of someone you love. And then the next person said it. And then the next person said it. So when we listened back, we heard George, clear as day. The next person asked, and it said, my husband. And now everybody's freaking out because it answered twice. I said the weirdest part about that entire response is George was the name of not only her husband, but her son. So she verified which one she was talking about, which was very cool. Very cool. Um, and very clear. So I thought that that was really cool. At that same time, that same night, we had, I think, um, maybe you went to go um, check it out, I think. But the sound bar in the other room started playing 1920s music by itself when we were all in the other room holding hands trying to do an right. EVP session. Uh, turned itself on, turned it to 1920s music, and everybody was crapping their pants because they couldn't believe it, and it was getting louder and louder and louder. Yep. Basically swing jazz type yep. of music. Yep. Well, like, I, I want that to happen again while I'm there because I, I just love 1920s music. So It was just, it was fascinating. Um, and we I'll actually sing a little Al Bowley if you want when we get there. You can perform all you want. Yeah. I'm okay with that. You said you Absolutely. didn't want to dress up, but you can perform. Well, I just don't want to have to bring dress Extra clothes, clothes yeah. in, in, a, in a, you know. So, we, I mean, we've done a lot of experiments in this house. We've all dressed up in 1920s garb and, um, you know, hung out and played music like that just to try to mm -hmm. kind of get... Um, them into the mood and the feeling of their time to try to see which era would come out um, during Rem our investigations. Reminds me of that Christopher Reeve movie. Which oh, one? Uh, uh, Somewhere in Time? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's funny because it involves a penny, too. Well, I mean, I think I think it sounds like the kind of place that um, people are going to want to check out for themselves. And as, as Stephanie and Porter are mm. sharing these stories that they've had these experiences... Keep in mind that the reason why we're talking about it is because you're going to get your chance to go there, too. Right. I just shared out the link in the chat room at Spooky TV. It's uh, on YouTube. And I also uh, shared it out um, on the Spooky South Coast Facebook page, too. So if anybody, okay. uh, as we're talking about it, if anybody wants to click on that, you can you can 
you can already order tickets, right? The, oh, yeah. It's the, live to the, order it's, tickets. It's live. You can actually go to dunlaurain.eventbrite.com. If you're listening in, you don't get to see the chat room or you don't have social media. The Dunlora is D-U-N-N-L-O-R-A. Um, do you want to tell the story of the apparition? Yeah, absolutely. We can do that. Okay. Um, at this particular instance that we were there, uh, there were some other uh, professional uh, paranormal investigators there. And so we started the night out. We were doing some experiments. And we were trying to figure out, you know, what was going to be the best trigger to use at this location. And, and Stephanie and I had been talking about it uh, throughout the day about what we wanted to do. And, you know, knowing that the, the Battle of Trevelyan Station occurred there, we wanted to do something that involves sounds from the times. So we were... We originally started out playing uh, uh, Union and Confederate uh, Civil War music and, and battle sounds. And um, during one point, we had played the, uh, I think it was Union uh, music we had played, and we, and we uh, someone captured a musket shot on an, an EVP, on a recorder. That was really cool. That was, that was cool. Because, I think it might have been um, you know, um, Confederate. Uh was it? I thought you were playing some. Well, maybe it was, but I thought you were playing the Union music because it was uh, some Irish music. It was, but I think that was the night before because the Confederate is the one that we got a lot of that battle um, stuff from. the The Union was very brief, and that was it. Yeah. But and then I, we played the battle the, the battle cry too. Mm-hmm. So and I think that's. I don't what think we got as much it. out of it. Oh, you think? So? Okay, I I, and thank, I thought we got on the music rather than the battle cry. We have the video of way, it. Either way. Yeah. Yeah, we can go back and look. But um, so that was how the night started, and and as we were as we were, the investigation went on, we thought, well, what if you know there was something here that was older? Uh, we know that um, you know at that point in time, I was doing a lot of genealogy, and and I'd ran into some roadblocks in my own genealogy, and uh, so we started playing some uh, looking up Native American music. And so I know that we had looked into Monacan and Powhatan and um, Iroquois, Cherokee, and uh, there may have been some more that we looked into, but I know that we had played a few, and we didn't really get any uh, interaction. But then we played the Iroquois music, and um, we had it had placed everyone throughout the house because we had a pretty good turnout, so it was very difficult to group people and put them in different places. So we wanted to do an experiment that involved everyone. So we placed people throughout the entire house and told them to report if they had some type of an experience while we were doing this experiment. And um, so Stephanie was playing the music uh, on her phone, and uh, she and I were standing at the top of the the stairs uh, on the second floor. And um, there were these meters around my feet. I think it was some K2s, maybe a male meter. And um, as we're playing this music, I felt this this cold chill. And about the time I felt the cold chill, all the meters at my feet just kind of flickered and lit up. And uh, when that happened, I was like, you know, that was weird. And so we got through playing the music. And then, Stephanie, you looked at me and you asked me, you know, did I see anything or did I feel anything? And, of course, I explained what I had seen and felt, uh, but you saw something. I did. Did you want me to tell that part? 
well, yeah, that's, that's your experience because I didn't see it. <laughs> it's fun to know if you want to go through the whole thing. Um, so the way that the stairs are set up is you can walk up them, take a quick turn and walk up a very short uh, set of steps and then up onto the top landing. But from the top landing, you can look straight down and see the front door. Um, it's very wide open. So as this is happening, I'm watching something walk up the stairs, take the turn, come back up and walk straight up to Scott. And it was just as big as he is. And if you've never been around him, you're a fairly large guy, um, very tall, very wide. And um, this thing was just as big as you were. And it looked you right in the, the face and it called you brother. I was like, well, this is going to get weird really fast. And I was a little um, apprehensive because of how many people we had in the house. And at the same time, really fascinated because it wasn't a bad feeling at all in Native American anything has always fascinated me and I've always had a really good relationship with it. So um, I I wanted to ask him, like, did you see that? Did you feel that? Did you feel anything? Because it was very strong. So <laughs> we, <laughs> at that point, I think I asked you, I told you what happened. And um, I said, I want you to go down to the first landing by yourself to try to separate you a little bit mm -hmm. from everybody else. Because at that point you had meters all around your feet which people had just mm -hmm. come and placed around you. And we had people like stuck to us like glue at that point because they wanted to be next to us when this was going on, just in case something happened. Right. So I kind of stayed with everybody else, but I asked you to walk down there. Um, yes. And so see what happened. Right. And so we, you know, I'm down there on this landing by myself. Everyone is positioned throughout the house. Now on the staircase where I'm on, <clears throat> I am looking down the staircase, the long section of the stairs to the foyer, and there's a wall to the left of me, and on the other side of that wall is the servant staircase, and then there are investigators that are positioned on that staircase as well, uh, and these are professional investigators. So, and then the other, everybody else is all positioned around the building, and some are to my right and up on the other landing uh, behind me in a room looking out of the, the doorway that went into the back room. But um, as I'm standing there, we start playing the Iroquois music again, and, you know, we're just watching and waiting to see what's going to happen. And you can feel something building in the air. You know, the energy is, is through the roof at this point. And as I'm looking down the stairs, I can slowly see this shadow start to develop and form. And if you've ever watched the movie Krampus, the shape of the Krampus, not the scary face, but just the shape, the, the hunked over back, kind of rounded uh, cloak that's over the head, that was kind of the shape of the shadow as it started to form. And it got bigger and bigger and bigger um, as it was starting to walk up the steps. But now, as it walks up the steps, it's walking toward me, and it, it doesn't feel like it's something to be fearful of. It felt like it more, it had something it wanted to tell me or wanted to share with me. But the, the feeling that I was, the, the, the physical feeling I had was the tips of my fingers were just ice cold. And I'm a very hot natured person, so I don't get cold. So if there is something that's like a cold spot or something of that, na of that nature, it really stands out to me. And so as it's coming to steps, I, I, I can, it's like we're having this moment, and uh, the only way that I can describe the feeling of the energy leaving my body and my fingertips was that if you had a string inserted in the tip of your finger back up into your hand in each one of your fingers, it felt like it was pulling those strings out of my fingers toward itself. And so 
I kind of backed up to give it some room as it's coming up the steps. And as it's getting bigger and forming, I start to see these feather-like things come out of the head from under this cloak. It's kind of starting to develop a headdress. And there's a woman over top of my shoulder, you know, that's in the other room. She's, she's there because someone else made her come. This was her very first investigation, guys. Like, she had never done this before. So this is kind of like one of those things like, oh, yeah, I'll do it, whatever. It's going to be fun. We'll see what happens. And she let out the most blood-curdling scream I think I've ever heard in my life. I mean, I thought she had been shot or stabbed. And um, when she did that, this this shadow that was coming up the steps, it stopped, and it kind of turned its head and looked up at her and then looked back at me and then turned, faced the wall, went through the wall. And when it went through the wall, those people that were positioned on the servant staircase started screaming and literally ran out of the building. I mean, we had to try to slow everybody down, stop them, say, you know, don't run, you're going to get hurt. Stephanie's trying to keep everybody calm. And um, they ran out of the building. And so as we're kind of collecting ourselves, you know, the woman had screamed, and it was her first investigation. I asked her, I said, you know, what, what was it that you saw? And she said, that Native American, as he was forming, you could see the feathers coming out of his head. And it just, it verified it to me that what I had seen, she saw as well. So she had that same experience. And when this thing went through the wall and everybody on the side took off running uh, and screaming, you know, they experienced something as well. Of course, they described it a little bit differently when it came through the wall, uh, but it was still there. And uh, shortly after that weekend, I was, I was doing some research and I found a document that uh, a cousin had, had, had put together that had a, uh, a name comparison on it that I had been working on in my genealogy. And it, uh, it helped me to discover that I was actually a descendant of a Cherokee chief. So it was, uh, was kind of interesting how all that kind of came into play all at the same time. So whatever was there, I felt like it really had something it wanted me to know or wanted to tell me. Sure. Well, we're just about, we're up against the, the break here. Uh, but if anybody wants to pick up tickets to that event, uh, again, we we put it up on social media. And it's also dunlaura.eventbrite.com. Dunlaura in. Dunlaura in. And we'll, we'll give that again when we come back on the other side. Uh, so we are going to take a break for the news when we come back. Um, I just want to just let everybody know what's planned for that event for the weekend so that you can find out all the different things that are being offered. And then when we come back on the other side, we'll also throw open the phone lines and you can share your experiences with us. We want to know, I mean, you can call in about anything that's on your mind, but we specifically want to know about your thought form experiences, your tulpa experiences, your doppelganger experiences, and we will include some of our own experiences that we've had in that regard, including some that have happened here locally as well. So that'll all be coming up when we return in just a few moments. Uh, again, if you want to get those tickets, go to Spooky South Coast on Facebook. You'll find the link right there. Easy way to get it. We'll be right back with more Spooky South Coast in just a few moments.
Welcome back. Our number two of Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with science advisor Matt Moniz and psychic medium Stephanie Burke. And uh, we were talking before about the the up. Well, we're talking about the Dunlora Inn, and I I want to, you know, make sure that we let everybody know all the different things that are part of this. But this is this is more about kind of talking about the location really than it is pushing the event. I mean, we're letting right. people know about all of the very interesting things that have happened just in your time of investigating there. Right. And this, this isn't even talking about the day-to-day life of the people that, that operate this place either. Correct. You know, we we were actually, I think, the first r- real people to investigate the place. Sheena and Lacey have been investigating for a little while now. They actually come with us across the country to help us with our events because they become like family. And um, we were the first event at the Dunlora. And since then, it's kind of been you know, either them doing their own thing or having us come out and do something. So uh, we've fallen in love with the location and the people that run it is a, the best way to put it. You know, Sheena and Lacey have come with us to Hawaii during some of our really, you know, spiritual trips there. So um, we've had we've had quite a few experiences. It's always different. There's always something happening. It's never quiet. Um, but we've tried a lot of different experiments here. We've tried everything from modern day ghost hunting i would call it with you know the crazy equipment and everything like that we've had people come in and do that we've done old school just straight spirit communication what it truly was you know starting from the beginning um trying different methods um tim i know like you and i have done this for years working together different things that older spirits that are hanging around would understand like you're not going to go to a place especially in the new england area where places that we've been from the 1700s 1800s where there's you know no electricity and you're asking them to push a button on a device like yeah. they're not going to understand that right. sometimes that's common to, sense you have to break have it to, down and even switch up the language on things that you're using exactly so it's not about can you make the lights light up you know on this device mm-hmm. it's more like can you walk toward the color green Exactly. You know, and if you walk toward the color green, it'll change to orange, you know, things like well, that. How many times have we heard a spirit say, like, you're banal? And or, people don't even know what that means anymore. I also just realized as I was saying that out loud, what if we're dealing with colorblind spirits? We have red and green, not really a Whoops, thing. Whoops, sorry. We got to use different mm-hmm. color. We got to use different <laughs> stuff for you. Just, just popped into my head as I was saying that. I was like, oh, we, we've never taken into account if the spirits are colorblind. We haven't. We haven't. Or can they see color? You know, it's a great question. So um, we've tried a little bit of everything here. I, I can't say that we've tried everything because we're always going to come up with new and exciting things. But this time around, uh, Scott and I are going to start off the weekend on a Thursday and we're going to have a little um, free event where people can come and talk to us about our health and wellness stuff and try a bunch of samples of the things that we are bringing with us and um, it's something that we've never done there and people are constantly asking us about our products and things that we do outside of the paranormal so just come and hang out with us and laugh with us and hear about our stuff and try it for free. Yeah, there's there's some funky rules and restrictions about talking about this on the radio. Right. But you know, you do have a an, another business where you Correct. focus on this that the two of you were involved right. in. So I mean I can talk about it. I'm not sure if we can talk about it here. Uh, yeah, I don't know if we can So we're yeah. We're uh yeah, it's gonna be fun. Come and hang out with us. It's on the link. Um and then Friday night um is when the fun begins. Are you coming in Friday? You'll be there Friday. I th- I think my plan is to arrive during the day Friday. Okay. We have to finalize the travel okay. stuff Monday. All right. So we um 
Friday night, I was told that I had to wait till Friday night to do the seance because our wonderful friend who we've talked about many times, Mama Cheryl, will be there and she needs to take part in the seance, she said. So that's going to be a good time. Um, The last time we had a seance there, now I've done um, table tipping. I've I've professionally done table tipping since, uh, God, how old am I? So almost 17 years now. Um, It's something that was passed down to me and something that was familiar throughout my life. So I've done it um, professionally for a very long time and I love it. And I think Tim, you've been a part of, of me being in that element. I think Matt, you've sat at a table with me before, so you know um, what it entails. Um, I don't do it like everybody else does. Everybody else just thinks that it works a certain way and that's it. Cause that's what they see on YouTube. Um, so I do it uh, a way that was, was passed down to me and it seems to work pretty well but it does freak people out and I kind of like freaking people out it makes me happy so uh we're gonna do a seance using the table and this is your opportunity to come and hang out with us for a couple hours and we're gonna be communicating with your past loved ones or anybody that wants to come through and give a message and make sure it's a sturdy table this time um it's the same table Okay. It's very sturdy. It just has to continuously get reinforced. Okay. <laughs> um, there's some glue and maybe some nails or screws in there now. Okay. Um, but I'll have Scott so he can whip up something quick if something happens because he can fix everything. Hashtag you fix stuff. So um <laughs> can't say the real version. Um, but oh, I thought you could on here. Uh, no, we're on the radio, the actual radio. Uh, okay. If it was just YouTube, we could. Um but the last time we were there, we had a really good crowd, I think of about 20 or so people. And I gave everybody an opportunity to sit at the table just to feel the energy of the table and the table moving. And um, it was really um, interesting, but we had a, a little bit of a issue at one point. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, we can do that. Okay. Um, you know, it, it's when you sit there at the table with Steph and, and it happens, you're, you're kind of perplexed because you're trying to figure out how this table is moving and what's causing it to move and, you know, are other people at the table, you know, doing it uh, or making it happen. Uh, but, you know, it, it's, it, it always, there's always a question there in your head. But on this particular occasion when we were doing the, the table tipping, um, you know, usually whatever's there comes through for, you know, whoever's at the table or whoever's in the room. And very seldom they ever come through for, for staff or for me. And, um, which I try to block so on, that way nobody thinks we're doing yeah. that on purpose. I make him mm-hmm. sit on the side of me so that way mm-hmm. there's no way, like you guys have sat with me before, I make you sit on the side of me so that way people don't think we're passing the table back mm-hmm. and forth. I do everything in my right. power to make sure people walk away going, what just happened? Mm-hmm. How did that just happen? Right. So so the last time we're there, we're doing this and we're we're asking the table to give us the first letter of the name of who's, who is uh, who who's there. And, and so it gave us a letter and then we asked it who it was trying to communicate with. And it went around the room, uh, you know, as we asked who it was and, uh, it came to me and the table reacted as if whoever was there was trying to communicate with me. And so we tried to, um, affirm that by going through and asking again. And because the letter that we kept coming up, I was unfamiliar with anyone who would be trying to reach out to me that would have passed away. And so we went back around and we started talking about, you know, you know, are you, what's the first letter of your name? 
and it landed on the same name again, the same letter, and who you're trying to communicate, and it came back around and responded when it came to me. And so we were trying to talk about, you know, I was like, you know, well, I know people that their name starts with that letter. And so I just started rambling off names from my life and, you know, friends, family, acquaintances, anyone that I could think of. And the table reacted when I said a certain name. And I said, well, why would you react to that name? Because that person is still with us. I actually got mad and, at you at that point because I thought you were just messing around. And when you're running a circle like that, you have to keep the focus of the circle because if everybody starts reacting and like breaking off, it messes with the energy, which yeah. makes it harder to keep it safe. And um, I remember you asked. This energy was strong. It was, it <laughs> was, was strong, really strong. But, you know against my circle of protection, we'll call it, when everybody starts going wild like that, it can, you know, get out of hand. And I remember mm -hmm. you asking, like, were you a friend? It said, yes. Did we run around town mm -hmm. together? Yes. And you actually mm -hmm. named someone that you knew that passed with the same letter, and it said yes. no. Right. So you're like, now I really it, have it, no it, idea. It, right. And it, it kind of reacted to that name once before, but then when I asked if that was it, it said no. Yeah, like it was and, familiar to them, but it wasn't them. Right. And so, you know, when when you're sitting there and you're trying to do that, um, I don't know what prompted me to do it, but you know, if if how we get our information these days, you know, you know, used to you would people would pick up the phone and call you and tell you that so and so passed away or this person passed away or or whatever the case may be. And but these days we just we look on social media. And so I picked my phone up and I started flipping to my phone and I pulled up the name of who I was uh, talking about. I pulled, started pulling, pulling up people's social media accounts and I pulled up one of the, the social media account of the person who I had just mentioned. And I learned at that moment that uh, he had passed away that weekend. Wow. And that day that we were doing this was the day of his, uh, 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 his Services. funeral. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. So, so it was it was a very very interesting experience, and one that everyone there saw happen. Because when I saw it and read it on the on social media, I just threw the phone down the table. And I was like, "Oh my gosh, look at this!" And I thought you were uh, angry. I had I had no clue because nobody no clue knew what happened. No one had any yeah. idea what you had just read. You just threw the phone down. I was like, "Okay, now this is getting out of hand. Like, what's going on? We got to end this. We got to we got to get out of here." So, it was um, it was overwhelming. Um, and I think it really affected yeah. everybody in that room because they weren't sure how to handle that. They had never seen anything done like that before. And we did have one woman in the room who was very outspoken when it came to her lack of belief in me and my abilities and um, her belief in what I was doing. She actually said out loud at one point, like, this, this is a load of crap. Like to a bunch of people that are like sitting there trying to, yeah. you know, connect with their past loved ones. Um, and, you know, she ended up saying to me afterward like she was not a believer walking in she is now she doesn't understand how it works but because she was a very techie person um and we had a good conversation afterwards but it was you know very unnerving to have somebody in there like speaking out loud against you while this is happening so um you know i, I know that you questioned table tipping previous to that um and you weren't sure how it worked but you were open-minded but when this happened it kind of changed everything for everybody in that room so we'll be doing yeah, that again it was an it was an extreme experience. I, I will have to say that, and and one that I, I to this day cannot explain. So, 
We're doing that again on Friday if you so want to join us for weird. That'll totally be on weird. a Friday. And then on Saturday, <clears throat> that'll be the actual investigation. Yes. Right? We'll be doing a meet and greet with the three of us. A little Q&A, which ends up being a big Q&A at times. Um, because I want people to get to know you, Tim, and how amazing you are. Um, they might be sick of Scott and I by now, but, you know... We we answer any and all questions that people have, um, anything from our favorite food and snacks, because we love food here on Spooky Snack Coast, and, um, you know, anything that they want to know about the paranormal or us. And don't, then, don't forget, by the way, for me to give you a box of those uh, Swedish Fish candy canes. Oh, yes. I have yes. a box for you, too, Monies, if you want some. Uh, I'm all set. Well, then, well, perfect. Then I have two boxes for you, <laughs> But, and then uh, and then you're also going to have uh, some classes there, too, for, for Reiki, if people are interested. Right. So we're going to be doing um, a Reiki 1 and a Reiki 2 certification. Um, my Reiki 2 is for the people that took Reiki 1 the last time I was there. So I will be doing a Reiki 1 certification while I'm there. And I'm kind of toying with the idea of offering a little thing on, like, an intro to past life regression, because people were really into it the last time I went. So, so all of that is available if you go to the website. Again? Yes, it's dunlaurain.eventbrite.com, where you can go to any of our social medias and find it there. And uh, you can not only get tickets for, you know, one, you can give tickets for all. Right. And uh, I recommend doing that quickly because it's you know, you, there's not going to be a lot of slots for this. It's, it's going to be very right. intimate. It is. It's going to be a very intimate weekend, and it's going to be really fun. You know, something that we've never done before. We're bringing new energy and new blood in, like you. We're going to sacrifice mm-hmm. you. And then, now, um, normally Saturdays are my sleep days. Right. So I'm going to, uh, <laughs> you never know when I'm going to be asleep and snoring. And everybody's going to think that there's something demonic in the that, house. Uh, that did happen to us the last time we were there. Someone did Somebody fall snoring. asleep and snore. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can't promise that I won't. Uh, it's fine. But no, it sounds like a lot of fun. You know, I've been, I've been uh, waiting for a chance to get down there myself because I've heard you guys mm-hmm. tell me all about how great it is. So, uh, so that's, that's available right now for people that want to get tickets. Porter, I look forward to seeing you down there. If not before. Yes, sir. I cannot wait to see you, man. It's been, it's been too long. Absolutely. And we'll, we'll cause some trouble. There's no way that we're going to get together and not cause some trouble. We always have to. Oh, there's, there, there always has to be trouble. <laughs> All right. So uh, and you can be part of that trouble if you want. Just because, I guess. Uh, and specifically put in the notes, like, I do not want to be associated with Porter and Tim when the trouble goes down. And that will give you unless a, you want to a, that's a legal out for you so that you, you can't be uh, arrested alongside of us all right thank you sir have a great night thank you you as well take care bye bye and uh yeah so i mean i i think our audience always loves hearing about some of these stories and experiences in different places mm-hmm. and now here's your chance to actually come out and check it out for yourself uh, and the time that we have left i want to throw open the phone lines as we said Earlier, you know, it's it's open line, so you can call in and talk about anything that you want. This is something that I know didn't always work for us before on Spooky South Coast. If we had open lines, people wouldn't call in. Right. Uh, but the last couple of times that we've done it, because we have such a, a great group of people that are listening live each night, each Saturday night, that now, you know, I think people do want to call in. So you can call in with anything that you want to talk about. However, I am going to put it out there because so many people were telling me during the week this week that they had tulpa experiences, doppelganger experiences, all of that. I want to make sure that we throw that up out there as a possible topic to call in. So if you've ever experienced what you thought was a tulpa, if, which is you know the Tibetan form of a thought form, but if, uh, if you ever think that you conjured up a spirit with your own mind, if you ever encountered a doppelganger, and I don't just mean somebody that looks like you. Like, mm-hmm. let, let's, let's clarify that. Everybody has people that look like them. 
nobody has more than me. I can't tell you how many people either tell me that they saw me somewhere or will send me pictures of somebody that they've met or know that they say looks exactly like me. Right. It happens all the time. That's never happened to me. It happens to me constantly. And I think it's just, you know, all bearded fat guys look the same. So <laughs> the that that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about when it was legitimately a a double, a complete double of a person's essence. And uh, and I have a few stories that we can we can discuss about that, but uh, let's let's take a phone call. And keep, and I just want to keep this I'm saying this out there right at the outset. We only have a half an hour left, so the phone call is going to be quick. Yes. We don't so want we anybody to, to call in and, and 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 you know, drone on about keep it on topic or on the topic of whatever your call is about. Yes, please. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. Oh, hold on. I got Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. What's up, Playboy? How What's you happening, Lamone? Do you no, just, do you have an ex, do you have an experience with one of those things with a tulpa oh. or a thought form? Oh yeah. Well, let me talk about that. Last night she had on on a on a. Hey, Stephanie, how you doing? Good. How are you? I'm kind of constipated. <laughs> Sorry to hear that. His his phone cut out. It did. I swear I didn't even press anything. You didn't. Oh, well, hey, that wasn't me. Climb higher on the pole, Lamont. Oh, that's... Or on the showgirl. Yeah, I didn't up. say stripper this time. <laughs> yeah. Put her higher on the pole, <laughs> and then you climb higher on top of her. Yeah. So that's... <laughs> he. Well, while he's uh, trying to call back. So let me, let me throw this out there. I think that, you know, you were talking about having the repeated experience to uh, investigate the Dunlora and mm-hmm. Moniz. We've repeatedly investigated a lot of different places, including the Lizzie Borden house and, you know, the Fearing Tavern and some of these other places. When you have the opportunity to really get into a place and go there repeatedly and have these experiences over and over again, you kind of get a bit of discernment about what you think is a legitimate spirit and what you think is something that we could just be conjuring ourselves. But I do think that a lot of these haunted locations that we we investigate, we are experiencing things that people have made with their own minds. If you asked me that 10 years ago, I would have said, oh, no, that doesn't happen. But the more I encounter, because that's like the big We've question. Done it. That's the big question is people have said to me, like, how can Lizzie Borden, now that they investigate um, Maplecroft. Maplecroft, how could it be that Lizzie Borden's ghost could be in two places at once? Mm-hmm. Well, I think she could be. Right. Because pff, what but, a physics mean to a ghost. But Well, you also have people that, what's known as bilocate, living sure. people. Astral yeah. projecting. Yeah. But it's also possible, too, that sometimes the experiences that people have with a spirit, especially at a place like the Lizzie Borden house, it's not really Lizzie Borden. Mm-hmm. It's them kind of projecting what they think the spirit of Lizzie Borden would do or, or would be like or any of that. And this happens in a lot of places that we go to. Or my thought of what tulpas actually are is something that comes calling and crawling because you you reached out to it. So it decided, okay, I'm going to play the role you want me to. Well, or- to... To some degree, although with tulpas, it has yeah. to be, I mean, kind of by definition, it does have to be something that you've conjured created. and created. Right. But I do think that that happens with a lot of these where you're yeah, dealing be with- a doppelganger. Yeah. It, could be, it could be anything, and it's and it's coming to, to play that role. But we've had that happen, I think, in a lot of places where, and I don't mean just we, I mean people that go to and visit haunted places. I think that that's happened quite a bit because, you know, it's the George Washington's ghost- yeah. Phenomena where you go to a place and you know that George Washington stayed there at some point because obviously he stayed at every bed and breakfast <laughs> all across New England at some point. But so you, ex- 
because you know that he was there, it's always the most famous ghost associated with the location that we think that we're going to encounter. You know, if you go to the Oliver House and you don't know anything about the research that they've been doing there and you just know the story of Benjamin Franklin, then when you go there, you're trying to communicate with Benjamin Franklin and that's probably not going to happen. But you don't know about all these other spirits that they're in communication with regularly. Right. So it's always, you know, the most famous ghost associated with a location is who people expect to encounter. And when you don't encounter that ghost, maybe we kind of conjure that up and project it out ourselves. Mm -hmm. Uh, Especially, this happens a lot around here, and I'm sure it happens a lot, you know, in Virginia and in that area as well, where you'll find out a place is associated with the Underground Railroad. Mm. And then you'll be dealing with spirits that seem to be the spirits of slaves that were hiding there as part of the Underground Railroad. Now, let's just go, and we have to like kind of make some assumptions when we're talking about this. So let's just go with the idea that a spirit can choose where it where it's hanging out. Mm-hmm. Do you think that the spirits of slaves would hang out in one of the stops on the Underground Railroad? It depends. If they had the free will to go where they wanted, that would not be the place where they'd want to go. Yeah, because it was just... There's a, so many factors. Yeah. It just, I mean, just looking at it from this basis, if you were a slave mm-hmm. running away, you were stopping at a house in... Well, the Oliver House had has... Um, I have to say, in all the places that I've been, the Underground Railroad is more preserved up north than it is down south. Um, everything is well preserved up north as opposed to down south. Well, because the they, south fought, didn't, they fought all the battles yeah, down there. and They didn't care to, you know, keep anything sacred. And, and not only that, but a lot of the, um, a lot of the homes and, and some of the structures that were built down there, mm-hmm. they weren't as built to last as some of the stuff up here because they didn't have to endure the same type of weather. Right, that but we even did. then, um, you know, Scott and I have had this conversation plenty of times, even driving through his home state of Tennessee, where... Like the the age of the oldest places there are like mid to late 1800s. And it's because people just came in, just knocked everything down and rebuilt. And there was just no reason to preserve it, which is odd to me because we we have places from the 1600s still standing up here that people are actually living in. Right. So um, part of that, because, you know, we they had to be built to last. Right. And so, like, when they say, oh, it's an old house, but it has good bones, like, right. a lot of older houses in other places don't have good bones mm-hmm. because they realize, like, we're going to build this. Eventually, we're going to knock it down and build a bigger one or we're going to expand it or all that. Whereas uh, opposed to up here, it was a little bit different story. You wanted to build something that was going to last. But well, the- keep in mind, down there, they, they tended to recycle the materials used. That we do that old. up here too, though. Yeah, <laughs> but the it's a the, serious problem everywhere. <laughs> but if you're a slave escaping from the south and you're trying to get to freedom, mm-hmm. the place that you stopped in when you stopped in Middleborough, Massachusetts, at the Oliver House, mm-hmm. and you were you know hiding there from the the people who were looking for you, that was not a pleasant experience for you. You were probably terrified, and it's probably the last place that you'd want to revisit if you were dead and you had control over that. So. I think that a lot of these... Unless it was a good place that they stopped at. A place where they treated them nicely and fed them. I still don't know if I'd want to stay there, though. Well, okay, so without bringing it... I tried to go as far as I could without making it personal, but the house that I grew up in is part of the Underground Railroad. The panic room 
is still there. But I call it a panic room because that's what people would know it as now. But the wall actually comes down and you can see where they hid them. Um, there was a woman there who still was in the house who was associated with the Underground Railroad. And even though she didn't have to stay there, she always told me that I will stay here until all of them are free. Well, but that's somebody that has a reason and has... Correct. So, so I'm not I had saying... to eventually tell her, like, it's okay, like, it's over, and you can go if you want to. And then she told me that she um, she had stayed there for so long, the other spirits that were in the house that weren't even necessarily part of the Underground Railroad, but that she was aware of, she wanted to make sure that they got to where they were supposed to go before she went. She was a very selfless person. So um, it took a little while to... to let her realize that, like, I got it from here. You can you can go. And so I'm, there are reasons why they do stay. And I'm not saying that that can't happen. But I'm just saying, there's no way that every stop on the Underground Railroad it's is still haunted by the spirits of the slaves who were there as part of the Underground Residual, Railroad. Residual, maybe. I, I mean, even... But you know the difference when you're investigating. Correct. You, you figure I it out do. pretty quickly. No, but anybody does. Ooh. I think anybody does pretty quickly. If you're going to a if place you know and repeatedly investigating doing. it... We, well, Most yeah. people just go in one night and never come back. We I'm know going, that. I'm going with the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, but the people that run the place will see these people that come through and, and get an idea of what's going on. But again, my point is we're, we're, we're trying to explain too much stuff away that takes away from the bigger point of that not every place will have that, but they still report having that activity. Well, it's because that makes them money. You're getting into a whole other ballgame. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm... Keeping this pure. Okay. I'm, I'm taking everything at the purest sense of it. And that would be, and I think that would be because when you tell an investigator that a place was used for the Underground Railroad, they're going to expect that that's what they're going to encounter. And so you will create an Underground Railroad ghost. You could. And I think that that's what happens in a lot of these places more often than not is we start going into them and projecting the idea of these ghosts we create these thought form ghosts of some of these locations that doesn't mean that that's always the case and certainly when you are investigating and you're picking up stuff that you didn't know and you know stephanie moniz i know you both have this happen to you plenty of times where you learn things on an investigation that you later verify mm. through research but that you didn't know when you were investigating and kind of i'm not talking about those type of situations there's a lot of times when we go into a place with a narrative already in mind for what the haunting is, that creates the ability for us to be able to fill in that narrative with ghosts, ghosts that we would make ourselves, which, by the way, I still think is pretty damn cool. It's just as cool to me to think that we're doing that as we are actually encountering the spirits of dead people. But the so I think that that can be a, an example of some of the things that we encounter, especially in you know, historic haunted places. It's going to be really hard to use that example when you're sitting in your house that you just bought mm -hmm. and you encounter the spirit of the person that used to live there before and you have no idea who she is, but then you find a photo of her later and you're like, yep, that's the lady that walked through my living room. Obviously, that's a whole different story. Or if Stephanie's communicating with them and actually, you know, having a back and forth and seeing them and all that, that's completely different. But I'm just saying that this aspect happens. And it happens more than I think people are willing to admit. So when somebody says to me, have you ever encountered a thought form? I have to say, well, yeah. I have to just work mm -hmm. on that assumption. In addition to the fact that we have actually created ghosts. 
I, I, I don't talk about this much, but uh, I put an urban legend out there one time as an experiment. Uh-huh. That wasn't exactly true. That I had to keep quiet for a long time. Kind of just made it up, put it out there just as an experiment to see what would happen, and people encounter that ghost. Nobody knew about There was no ghost. I made it up. Well, I knew. But I put it out there because I wanted to see what happened. But that's almost no, 10 I years ago. I, and I didn't claim, by the way, just to be fair, I didn't claim that I encountered this ghost. I didn't lie. I just said there's a legend of a ghost that is seen in this location. And if, that's not a lie. There is a legend, a legend that I made up. Mm-hmm. Well, there are ghosts seen in that area in I'm never, not, we're not going to reveal where it was, because yeah. nope. I will never reveal where it is. But you're talking this specific... Yeah, I remember that. So, it's fascinating to me that I Now, do you think that. because of the area, they might have seen something walking by and assumed it was that ghost? Uh, or did well, they give specific details that made you believe that it was that ghost? The details usually sync up with the details that I put into the legend. Okay. But... I also don't discount the possibility that I could have completely made up a legend that also just happened to be true. You know, that I accidentally picked a spot and a description right. that plays out because well, the, the other thing it too makes sense. Is like, I've never come across a thought form. Like, and I'm different. I can see, hear, and communicate with spirits, yes, but I see them physically. I have never physically seen what I consider to be a thought form. Everything that I have physically seen and communicated with has had a complete full story to tell that is validated by historical documents. So what do they look like? I think that we create it to look just like what we would expect the ghost to look like. Okay, so the three of us go out on a ghost hunt. There's a thought form that's created. What you see... Is it what you think it is? Or, like, would you see the exact same thing that he's seeing? Or would you see your own version of it? Because I think it's, we it's, agree well, on the, I think we agree on the details. First because off, if I can't see it because it's not real. Well, my question is, are we the ones creating a thought form? Or did somebody else create it before us and we come in? How long does it take to create a thought form? Yeah, it depends. This is, this is getting deep. Yeah. I mean, we, we did a few years ago at Salem Con, excuse me, a few years ago at Salem Con, I did an abbreviated version of the Philip experiment, mm-hmm. and we were able to make communication with whatever it was that we were creating. Mm-hmm. Now, I believe, I think the Philip experiment was over the course of a couple of weeks or maybe even a couple of yeah. months. You're talking the Rhine Institute. Thing. No, the Toronto no. For Society for Psychological Research, Yeah, where... I mean, for those unfamiliar, in the 1970s, they they got together a cross-section of society, like a housewife, a doctor, a lawyer, all these people. They brought them all together, and they said, we're going to create a ghost, and we're going to create the backstory for a ghost. And so they created the story of this, I think it was like a 15th century nobleman named Philip something or other, Mm -hmm. and they created his whole story about how, you know, he lived and he fell in love and he couldn't be with his love for whatever reason and killed himself. They made this whole story up. And then what happened was they spent the next couple of weeks trying to communicate with that spirit through mostly through seance techniques, yep. Ouija boards and seances and, you know, uh, you know, basically the what they would have thought was 
paranormal research of the of the early to mid 1970s. And so in all those different ways that they tried, <laughs> they were able to make connection with this spirit, but they never it was a person that had never actually existed. So it would be the same thing as if, you know, I wrote a fictional novel and said, uh, you know, I'm going to try to communicate with the ghost of Holden Caulfield. Like, there is no Holden Caulfield. It's a character that was made up for a book, but we're still able to communicate with him, and he's telling us that that's who he is and is giving us verification of the backstory that we totally fabricated. So it And it worked, and, and it has worked in other experiments since. So I have always put out there to people that spirits communicate telepathically as well, especially when I'm doing a table tipping seance. I've had people have full-blown conversations just thinking a question, and the table answers perfectly every single time. Not, And I like to do that because not everybody at the table, including myself, knows what's happening, and the table's answering correctly, and it really freaks people out. I've been able to communicate telepathically with spirits forever. I know that it is a thing. I know even you have said Bigfoot tele- telepathically communicates yeah. aliens same thing so if that ability is out there and spirits have that ability to do that or even elementals or different you know spirit forms we'll say how do we know that during the experiment you just mentioned that some other spirit that's bored or an elemental or anything of that sport doesn't have to be what people think a ghost is um something otherworldly isn't coming and answering those questions and, related and, to your thought forms and it, right. it entirely is possible because it happens all the time where you know we say that's that's not lizzie borden that you're talking to right we know, you know that because we've been there right like we can you know i'm not saying that lizzie borden is but there. i can see that thing i'm just saying you're not talking to her in this case right like, usually when people come and, you know, and Colleen's in the chat room, I'm sure she's experienced this in all her years of working there when, when she was working there, that, yeah, Lizzie Borden comes around, but mm-hmm. also other things pretend to be Lizzie Borden because it knows that you're paying attention. Right. So Or, or Andrew Borden, yeah. Yeah. Or, I mean, just, I've experienced yeah. her two times in the decade plus that I've been in that house. Twice. No. And they've been really strong and interesting interactions, so... The other times, the thing in the basement. Yeah. yeah. So there's, I mean, a lot of that happens. And and, and I shared my doppelganger story uh, the other night on, on Midnight in the Desert. And I know that I've shared it here before, but it bears <laughs> repeating because it is something that is, first of all, freaky as hell, but also something that I've never had happen except for this one time. But if you talk to a guy like Keith Johnson, he'll tell you, oh, that happens all the time. Like, he warned us when we first started doing this stuff and we were actually, you know, learning from him. He warned us, hey, a lot of times, you know, spirits are going to pretend to be you or the people that you're with. I said, no, no, that's not going to happen. Was that a ghost that knocked it over? Yes. Um, so. Maybe a tulpa. What happened was, or was I just doing it with my mind? Or was it just gravity? <laughs> or the, my screw up. The um, Murdoch Whitney house in Winchenden, which... Yep. The basement of that place is strange enough, but when I was there, it was an event that I was doing. I don't think you guys were there, but we had um, our friend Nate was with us, and Nate comes to a lot of our stuff there. Nate's mm-hmm. Nate's a big fan of the, the Murdoch Whitney house, and uh, and I know, oh, I think you were there because John Brightman was there, so it must have been the event that you mm-hmm. and I did with John there. And so as we're in the basement, and I don't think you were part of this in the basement when we i don't did think it. i've been to the basement well we'll fix that next time we go but the uh the idea is that we were down there 
we wanted to see the shadow people because Moniz and I had already had experiences down there with these peach pits kind of apporting mm-hmm. out of nowhere and getting thrown at us. Yep. And we've seen shadow figures down there all the time. So we said, you know, we're going to try and watch for these shadow figures. Now, what I did is I had everybody turn, and there's there's windows in the basement. So, in the back, yeah. In the back and in the front. So you can – the traffic that comes by will create, you know, shadows in the room. So the the angle that worked where that happened the least was by facing what I'll call the back end of the basement. So I had everybody stand and face the back end of the basement, which the, the area where we got the peach pits yeah. thrown at us. Yeah. So I said, let's all kind of stand and face that back wall. And I want everybody – I was on one side – in the front of the group, and John was on the other side. When I say the other side, it's because this basement is a big, wide-open basement. With Actually, there's a couple of rooms, but the space we're in was a big, wide-open space. But they keep a bunch of stuff in the middle of that space so that people can walk around, but they mm-hmm. still have storage. And There's also the boiler thing that's there. Yeah, and there's some pipes in the middle and yeah. everything where people could trip, so that's why they keep all this stuff in the middle. And so on one side of the, the pile of stuff... I'm standing, and then on the other, on the left side, and then on the right side, John's standing, and we told everybody to stay behind us. So we wanted everybody to be behind me or John, just because we wanted to make sure that nobody went and got in the way of what we're trying to watch for shadows, because then everybody gets mad and like, get back there, you jerk. Mm-hmm. You made us think it was a shadow person. So everybody's standing there. We're watching. We're seeing the shadows form. We're seeing them move back and forth, you know, the usual kind of stuff. All of a sudden, Nate, who's standing right behind me, says, Tim, what the hell? Like, and I, I would clean that up for radio. I said, wow, what, what, what's going on? He goes, why did you just turn around and stare at me? That was so freaky. It's like, I didn't. I've been looking at the wall and the shadow people the whole time. He goes, no, you just turned around and you stared at me, like right in my face. It's like, I did not. I did not do it. And then on the other side, it was it was Susan who was standing behind... Um, Oh, I'm sorry? Was she standing behind Brightman? Behind Brightman, yep. And and Sherry was there, and she thought Sherry did the same thing, that Sherry turned around and stared at her. And Sherry didn't do that, and it freaked her out. So we actually had to end everything that was going on because Susan got so freaked out by it. But it was, they both described the same thing. It looked exactly like us, turning around and staring at them, kind of taking the place of where we were, too. Because there wasn't a matter of like, oh, why is Tim standing in front of me looking one way, but also looking at me the other way? It kind of replaced us in space and turned around and looked at them. So the way that they experienced it uh, and the way that they explained it, you know, it sounded to me like it was my assumption was that whatever energies was down there was literally copying who we were and then turning around and staring at these people. I think that was the same night that um, you guys were in the basement and everybody went down there because it was the end of the night, which is when I think this happened. And Scott and I and a couple other people were on the main floor. And uh, we were upstairs, like on that first floor when you walk up the stairs. And we heard everybody super loud. You know, all this loud conversations, a little bit of music, but a like loud conversation. And we came running down the stairs because we thought that the next group was coming over from the John Morse house. Is that right? Isaac Morse. Isaac right. Morse. John Morse is, is Lizzie Borden. Lizzie, we just talked Lizzie's about. Uncle, yep. So, um, so we're like, oh no, the group's coming. We have to come. We came rushing down the stairs, and nobody there was nobody did. there. 
So that was a really cool location as well. I actually just saw another paranormal team posting about that, um, about that location saying they can't wait to come back because it's just so incredibly haunted and there's bad things there. And I'm like, whoever, you know, bad. I yeah. It it, bad. I, I thought it was interesting. Because yeah. I mean, well, I'm, it's getting a reputation now because certain people have investigated there and like they're trying to sell tickets and it's becoming one of those places. And I, I hate to see it go that way because we were well, some I, of the first people. In I there. don't know if that's necessarily the case. I don't know if it's necessarily that they're trying to create a story of it being bad. I think that there's a lot of stuff that happens there yeah. that if you don't understand what's going on, These are you're people gonna, that should understand. You're going to perceive it as bad. These are definitely people that should understand. But that. I don't know if it's necessarily they're the ones that are experiencing it or if it's that when people are saying this is what I experience and telling these group leaders. Well, the reason I bring it up is the next time we go back, will there be tulpas? Well, maybe. Will we experience something that we've never experienced there before? Because bad things have happened there. But we've never encountered anything. Right. I mean, while they were alive, it's, I should say. It's not. I mean, there's, but there's not an overwhelming negative. That's history. what I'm saying. What's been left there behind? There isn't the Morris house, but we can't talk about it. That's what I'm talking about. Um, well, in the Morris house, I might feel a little bit differently. But in the in the Murdoch Whitney house, no, nothing. No. I've never had anything negative. It's been pleasant. But it's been active. It's been. I could see in some cases how it could be perceived as bad. What? Because you have objects being hurled at you? I mean, and it like wasn't that. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. It was more playful bits. than yeah. anything else. That I did. Yeah. I had, you know, I went and did a, a Ouija board session with somebody uh, who had never used a Ouija board before. I feel like your weird stories always start out like this. In in the basement of the Murdoch Whitney house, <laughs> and as we were, you know, doing the the Ouija board, what comes through but Zozo? Yeah, but I feel like that always happens. And so I, you know, I said to her, I said to her, you know, what's What's going on? Like, why are you doing this? Come mm-hmm. on. Like, I thought you were going to take this seriously. She's like, what? What are you talking about? I was like, why would you Why would you do a Zozo? And she's like, I don't... What, what's Zozo? I have no Zozo's idea. Zozo's happened to us at Lizzie Borden's too, though. Well, I know, but I'm just saying, like, as an example, like, this happened. Mm-hmm. And so she didn't know what it was. So right. I thought she was just pulling my leg. Mm-hmm. But I believe her and I trust her. She's a very trustworthy person. Right. So when she said she had no idea what it was... You know, I was like, okay, so now we understand that that just happens. But the common average person that only knows Zozo from watching Ghost Adventures, mm-hmm. that happens to them. I didn't even know about it until you told me about it. They freak out. They, you know, the next thing you know, they're burning the Ouija board in the backyard because right. they think that they just encountered a demon. Well, the reason I brought it up is because we do go there at least once a year, usually. And I'm wondering if we're going to encounter any tulpas coming, coming up. Well, going forward. We'll see. Well, there's there's a chance. we got about 10 seconds. Uh, how about the basically hearing another person's voice that you think is mm-hmm. the person that you're with and they come come at you from another room? Oh, that that's happened to me on especially so in the, many occasions. that basement. Uh, we are out of time for this week's show. If you've had a Tulpa experience, a thought form experience, any of that, you want to share it with us, Spooky Crew at SpookySouthCoast.com. We'll be back next week with another show. Until then, for Matt, for Matt, for Stephanie, I'm Tim. We want you all out there to stay spooktacular.